Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. And welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle and, of course, live on the net everywhere else. You can go to energyintuitive.com to listen to us. Or where else can people go, Eric? People can listen online at 1150kknw.com. Ah, lovely. Thank you. I hope that uh, we're interrupting your holiday shopping. You're taking a break, having a latte. Of course, you're on the East Coast. You might be getting prepared for a late lunch or maybe an early dinner. And, of course, there's all these other parts of the world where people are celebrating um, Christmas holidays. And we wish you safe travels, fun, exciting gifts, and more importantly, some family experiences that you can remember for years and years to come. And today is actually going to be a great experience for me. On Thursdays, I get to interview people, um, people who I believe are standing on the leading edge of thought around the world. And it's been one of my greatest joys, something I never thought I was going to do in my life. So it's always like a big, oh, my God. I get to do that. Um, so today we're interviewing Dr. Bernie Siegel. He is the author of Love, Medicine, and Miracles, and I believe 11 other books. Um, I was inspired um, by Dr. Siegel many years ago, and of course that inspiration carried me through my oncology career as a nurse. I'm learning how to help patients live whole lives and to also let them go with love and peace and respect. And um, Dr. Siegel has been a pioneer in the field of creating whole healing medicine around the world. Um, Dr. Siegel, um, Bernie, as he prefers to be called, needs no introduction, obviously has touched many lives all over the planet. In 1978, he reached a national and then international audience when he began talking about patient empowerment and the choice to live fully and die in peace. As a physician who has cared for and counseled innumerable people whose mortality has been threatened by illness, Bernie embraces a psychology of living and dying that stands out at the forefront of medicine, ethics, and spiritual issues for all of society. So welcome, Dr. Bernie Siegel. It's wonderful you, to have Marie. you on the show. Just Thank lovely. You. And you have a new book out. I mean, you have, this is your 12th yep. book. Uh, a Book of Miracles, I the know. title. It's beautiful, inspiring and two I, stories. To tell you the truth, and I'm not saying this just to promote it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I have read it two times. I think I'm on the third time now, but because I can't remember every story. But it's just so life-enhancing, you know, to read these stories and all the wonderful things that happen. And for those listening, it's not just about illness. It's about life. And, and to me, it confirms my thoughts about life, you know, how your decisions, your choices, your faith, all those things make a difference in what happens in your life. Oh, yeah, it's it's amazing. And you were so on the forefront, as I'm sure you are now in whatever you, and I believe your wife works with you um, yeah. as well, teaching workshops. Um, you were still in the forefront of medicine, but you were certainly on that kind of slippery slope <laughs> with your colleagues. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that I was just reading something, an email somebody sent me, you know, where... A doctor lost his license. I mean, I would say that the things he was doing, I agree with most of them. <laughs> and yet, but you see, when what I found was, and as a former president of the American Holistic Medical Association, that, you know, we formed the organization to support each other because there were a lot of physicians who were being different. But I would always warn them, don't tell people you're right and they're wrong mm. or you know and they don't because mm. that's when 
you end up losing your license. You know, then comes the anger and the resentment and, uh, you know, the arguments and the fighting, and you lose your license. Yikes. But what I found was if I did things, I mean, I had a good reputation as a surgeon, all right? So right. people, in a sense, saw me as a little strange and crazy. But, <laughs> you know, I got permission to do things uh, because I wasn't in conflict with anybody. I was just caring for my patients in a different way. And when they did well, then I always remember this one patient of mine. I came in to see her, and she said, oh, this hospital is so nice. I asked them, why do they treat people the way they do? And they said, oh, it's hospital policy. <laughs> and I had to burst out laughing, you know, because the things that I was criticized for became policy when patients did better. Wow. So whether it was in, oh, and even things like in the operating room, you know, I was always working with patients' drawings because I learned through my drawings for Elizabeth Kubler-Ross right. how much of my life was on this scene that meant nothing to me, you know. Right. And she had questions that just amazed me right. from the drawing. So I went back to the hospital with crayons and, you know, again, people think he's nuts. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, what does it mean in an emergency room to have somebody draw a picture? But then as they began to see the benefits of it, also that changed. And the next thing you know, there are now coloring books in the operating room. So especially for kids, when they come in, they color in, you know, various scenes of themselves in the operating room, going home again, and all those things. Uh, but again, it, once people saw how it benefited everybody and the information that was available through it, then, again, it became a part of the care and the structure and what went on in the hospital. Well, I so appreciate your courage to be unique and different and to um, hold that space where even colleagues who maybe had similar feelings as you had at the time, could feel free to express them. And of course, yeah, it didn't it didn't hurt that, you know, that you um, attended Yale University for your surgical right. rotation. <laughs> you know, you have great cr- credentials that um, would be hard to dispute if people wanted to question your ethics. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, two things. I think one, what really allowed me to do this was the fact that I grew up with love mm. from grandparents and parents and got married while I was still <laughs> you know, in school, so I had the love of my wife. In other words, I could be different but go home, and everybody accepted me. So it gave me that freedom to be myself, even if they were embarrassed by my behavior. <laughs> they didn't tell me to stop anything. And I think that's the part that people have to realize, how powerful our childhoods are. They, you know, they because I grew up are. with love, I had to learn what others went through. When I'm trying to help them survive and they're not interested because of the messages they got from the authority figures in their lives, I I really had to understand that. And that was some of the criticism I got. When you would ask people about their life and what was going on, doctors would say to me, why are you blaming your patient? And I didn't see it as blame. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw it as what could make you vulnerable at a certain time. Not about fault and blame, but why might you get something, you know, on a certain day? Uh, and could we look at your life and what may have participated in having you be more vulnerable? See, now, like 20 and 30 years later, we have lots of studies on emotions uh, from laughter to loneliness and how they affect immune function and, uh, you know, and survival. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it wasn't scientific, then you got into, you can't accept that, you know, right. from doctors. Because I was a doctor and I was much more threatening than a Norman Cousins. 
think they can say, <laughs> oh, he's telling a story. That's an anecdote. But when Siegel got up, uh, it was much more confrontational. And what made me become a storyteller? Right. I, I'm tired of arguing with doctors about statistics and validity. And right. I would just tell a story, and then they could leave saying, ah, that was just a case history. That wasn't that, yeah. <laughs> well, but then I... the dialogue started because they would have an interesting patient. And let me mention this because I think it's so important, again, to the patients and healthcare providers. When somebody does exceptionally well, I hear them come back to our support group meetings, which I'm still running, and they'll say, I was at the doctor last week, and he said, I'm doing very well, and whatever I'm doing, I should keep it up. Now, why didn't the doctor say, you're doing very well? What are you doing? So I right. can tell other patients. Right. See, instead of keep it up, but learn. That's the thing I found. I learned from my patients right. about well, what I call survival behavior. You know, one of the things that you've already pointed out, and you've already answered one of my questions, by the way, which, you know, how did you develop this? You know, did you develop your ability to see the whole human, you know, as a child or as a physician? And obviously it w- it's been a, a growth of consciousness, but being so loved as a child and in a loving mm. family environment, I think that's what helps people to feel energy and, and yeah. know the difference between positive energy and healthy emotions and the difference between the complete opposite which right. is unfortunately where I think a lot of health issues and other issues that people have in their lives, you know, originally grow from. Oh, absolutely. Right. Originally. You know, there's another book that mm-hmm. I didn't write called The uh, Biology of Belief. Yeah, by, by Bruce, Bruce Lipton. Lipton. Yeah. yeah. So, uh-huh. you know, he's always saying that genes don't make the decision. You know, I often point out to people, if you have identical twin sisters and you say, who's more likely to get breast cancer? The sweet little girl who's pleasing mommy and daddy and internalizing all her feelings. Right. Or the devil of a twin sister. No, not the you devil. Know, and everybody picks it, the good <laughs> no. girl. Yeah. So, again, you have to remember that your emotions, your feelings become your chemistry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw this in my life, too, because I blame my wife. She had five kids in seven years, which included twins. Wow. And the two of us got sick because we were exhausted. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I realized you have to stop. Get help. You know, look at your life. So I, I would ask my patients the same thing. You know, what went on in your life? You have another kid, you moved, you get a new job. And it was amazing how they'd look at me and say, how did you know that? And, I, you know, I didn't have a way to help them yet, but at least I made them aware that they needed to look at, well, here's a good way of thinking about it from a friend of mine. Uh, I don't remember what was going on because this was a few years ago, but she said, well, Bernie, stop a minute. Do you get upset when you're hungry? I said, no, what do you do? I get something to eat. So she said, well, then stop being upset and go nourish yourself. Ask mm-hmm. yourself, what nourishment do I need when you're feeling this way? And I love that because, you know, this that way, what I call the curse becomes a blessing. That if you say, I don't like what's going on, what do I need to do to remedy this and to nourish myself? Then you don't get depressed about being depressed. You know, you say, okay, what changes do I need to make? Right. And uh, so I don't have this kind of feeling again. Right. So was it Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who enticed you to use art therapy with your patients? Yeah, because uh, I still have the drawing I did for her. I think it was in 1978. Wow. Um, I mean, she knew I was having trouble as a doctor. See, I became a doctor for what I call healthy reasons. I like people. 
but then I noticed they die, and you can't yeah. fix everything. No. And, it, and as a surgeon, you're so directly involved. It was painful. Well, for you it was. I mean, I've yeah. been around plenty oh, of surgeons of, yeah, yeah. who I are mean, not say they, directly involved. Yeah, they become doctors for unhealthy reasons. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. and, and but So I went to Elizabeth's workshop to share with people. And um, I drew a picture for her that was basically one, a scene I saw in my meditation, taking a stroll. And, uh, you know, I put, there were trees, a mountain, my inner guide. Interestingly, a bird called Rainbow, Mm. a fish out of water. Um, You know, all these symbols began to mean something. But what struck me was when Elizabeth said to me, what are you covering up? I said, what are you talking about? She said, you put snow on a mountain. I said, Mm. yeah, it's a mountain with snow. She Mm. said, Bernie. The page is white. You picked up a white crayon and added another layer. Wow. So what are you covering? And it was all my wow. emotion. Wow. And then there were 12 trees. She said, why is 12 important? Wow. And I immediately said, I've been doing this 12 months. And and I may add this, my inner guide, mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to get mystical. Yeah, I love to get a mystical. A fellow named George, uh, he has a beard, full head of hair, had a little cap on that I didn't, I mean, that looked strange, but, and, and this beautiful white gown. And um, he was just somebody I talked to in my meditation. Well, twice after speaking. And the first time I knew I wasn't giving the talk and I just let it happen because I, I, I couldn't follow my outline and my notes that I had in mm-hmm. front of me. And at the end of it, I always get a kick out of it. The first woman who came up said to me, I've heard you before, that was better than usual. <laughs> and she walked out. And the second woman online said, there was a man standing in front of you for the entire lecture. Wow. So I drew his picture for you. Wow. And it was George. Wow. One of and your... then after speaking at a funeral on a Sunday, this is a Christian funeral, there's, uh, I don't know if you know who Alva Worrell was, but she was a mystic and a mm. healer. Mm. And she and I both knew the man who died, and I spoke at his funeral. The funeral's over. Everybody's left the building. I'm standing alone in the hallway, and Alva comes walking down the hallway and says, Bernie, are you Jewish? I said, why are you asking? Because I'm at a Christian funeral. She said, no, there's a man standing next to you, a rabbi. <laughs> and she, again, described George. Lovely. And it just blew my mind. And that's when I realized the hat, the little cap he was wearing was his prayer cap Aww. and uh, that he's always had on. But it, it was, you know, like from 100 or so years ago, the kind of cap they wore then, not just a little flat piece. Wow. Um, and it's that's the part you see that keeps me open. Mm-hmm. If those things have happened to me, I can't deny them. Right. So I always say I live by my experience, not my beliefs. That way I don't close any doors. If it can happen, and well, it's always hard for me not to share stories, because what did I not believe in? I meet an animal intuitive in California, Amelia Kincaid. We're at a meeting together, and I meet her in the elevator. You know, I just start chatting. And when she said, I'm an animal intuitive, I thought, yes, lady, right. You talk to animals. I can't buy that one. But a few weeks later, a cat disappeared from our son's house. He's a neighbor. And I'm, I take care of all the animals. I'm rescuing everybody all the time. <laughs> but um, I call, So I emailed her, and I said, okay, tell me where the cat is so I can find it. I presumed it was dead because we live in a very wooded area. And... Uh, a few days later, Amelia sent me a note saying, the cat's alive, I can see the moon through its eyes. And she described all the other animals. 
I mean, the details about this house from the garbage can, you know, the people in the cat's life. Wow. And she said, it's under the house. Wow. That made no sense to me. How does a cat get under a house? Pretty quickly. But but at our son's (laughs) house, there's a stairway that comes down to the ground on both sides. It's down a hill from the front door. And uh, the next day, I just stood in the yard screaming the cat's name. And sure enough, from under the stairway, I heard, yeah, and I rescued the cat. And again, so what do I believe? Consciousness is non-local. If she can sit in Los Angeles and tell me where to find a cat in Connecticut, uh, I cannot deny that. And it became a foreword to one of her books because, oh, wow. you know, to just say to people, look, here is the truth, you know, um, and the key for always, and, and this message you hear from so many um Myths, fairy tales, spiritual, is the quiet mind. Mm. That's what Amelia was always telling mm. me. Bernie, if you're running around screaming your dog's name or your cat's name because you don't know where they are, you're not going to find them. But when you quiet your mind, then you get into their mind. And I've seen that happen. And I compare it to the still pond. Mm. That when you quiet your life and your mind, then the reflection tells you you're not an ugly duckling swan. You're not a goat. You're a tiger. Um, And if you want to know yourself, I've learned, you got to quiet your mind. Well, we are certainly enjoying our conversation today with Dr. Bernie Siegel, the author of his newest book, A Book of Miracles. We're going to take a short break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show. And as we go off to break, we just want to congratulate you, Bernie, on being awarded um, London, England, awarded you one of the top spiritual, influential living people on the planet this year in 2011. Congratulations. We'll be right Thank back. You. You're welcome. Nowadays, you can go to just about any astrology website, type in your birth information, and download your chart. That's great, but how many of us know how to read it? Christopher Renstrom has created a course targeted for the person who's interested in astrology, but whose eyes glaze over whenever things start to get too technical and wordy. Join Christopher at his Beginning Astrology Weekend Workshop, February 25th and 26th, at the Courtyard on Lake Union. This class is perfect for those interested in learning about astrology, or perhaps even in becoming astrologers themselves one day. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. There's an exciting new astrology hour, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. with Deborah Silverman. Deborah's unique blend of psychology and astrology turns planetary language into plain English. Join us for an interactive hour that's guaranteed to give you personal insights in a fun and entertaining way. Tune in to Deborah Silverman Live. Whatever your life question, marriage, job, family, relocation, or just curiosity, call for a live reading Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and visit Deborah's website at DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. 
For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. We're live Christmas Eve morning for two hours before the start of a holiday music marathon on Alternative Talk 1150. Let's keep company with the youngest member of the classic TV hit My Three Sons, Ernie Douglas, as he regales us with a behind-the-scenes look at his life in Hollywood. Then spiritually incorrect comic Vanda Mikulowski keeps us entertained with her cockeyed view of the world. That's Manson Mitchell in the morning live at 10 a.m. Saturday followed by the Gary Mance show at 11 Pacific. You're listening to Alternative Talk 11:50 a.m. And welcome back to Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle and of course everywhere on the web. In fact, we get phone calls from the most interesting places. Scotland, Australia, the Ibiza, Serbia, yeah, Serbia. Ibiza, Spain. I mean, it's just yeah. fascinating. I just find it fascinating. And so, of course, we are grateful, as always, not just during the holiday season, but grateful for all the people who listen to the show. and Spreading the love worldwide. Absolutely. And we're just grateful that we get the opportunity to participate in worldwide love. And of course, um, Dr. Siegel loves to do that himself in the 12 books that he's written, of course. Did you know you were going to be an author, Dr. Siegel? No. The funny part, that again, uh, I had a patient who was a mystic. That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) I wasn't a normal surgeon. She began to bring me messages from not only dead patients, but about myself. And one of the things she came in one day and said, you're going to write several books. And, and over the years, she keeps calling to tell me I'm going to write more. But wow. I said to her, that, that is something I will never do. Because <laughs> the only C I got in four years of college was in creative writing. <laughs> I was more visual and artist as a kid. And, I mean, when she said, you'll write a book, I thought, no, you know, that doesn't happen. Oh. And then it happened. And, and again, and it keeps no happening. It yeah. keeps happening. I mean, you know, this beautiful book, A Book of Miracles, and, of course, um, you know, one of your most popular books, books, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. But you have so many books for patients. It's amazing, you know, um, to help patients to know what to do in between their right. office visits, uh, um, prescriptions for the soul. I mean, it's just amazing, everything that you've written, that you feel so just, inspired. You know, it comes from my experience, so I just share it. Ah, well, we're... I've, I've learned to get out of my head, if you know what I mean, yes. when you're writing. yes. It's, like writing a letter or telling a story to everyone. Yeah. And it just comes from within. That's a felt experience. So we have yeah. some people on the phone lines I know would love to ask you some questions. So who do All we right. Great. Who do we have, Eric? Speaking of people from far off reaches, we've got Charles in Toronto on the line right now. Good Hi, afternoon, Charles. Marie. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Do you have a question for Dr. Siegel? Yeah, I um... Bernie, I uh, I bought your book, Love, Medicine, Miracles, uh, in the spring to give to a friend who was diagnosed with uh, a, a brain cancer. And I to make sure it was not too far out, I read it myself uh, uh, before I gave it to him. And uh, in the fall, I'm, I knew I should listen to it. And in the fall, I myself was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I've got some great doctors, but they're certainly not uh, in tune with uh, being able to heal yourself and alternative treatments. So how do you stay positive and work around that kind of environment? They're not negative, but they certainly think I'm a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Um, you know, if you're a character, it's a good sign, if you know what I mean, because they know you as a crazy patient rather than your disease. But I think that you have to remind them, in a sense, that, Statistics are not what the future is about. 
and that you have to live the way a child or an animal would live. I mean, just to quote one of our kids who I thought had a malignant tumor and be dead in a year when he was age seven. And when I shared this with the family, uh, I expected them all to be appropriately depressed and go sit in their rooms. We have five kids. And he came to me the next day, age seven, and said, Dad, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, what is it? He said, you're handling this poorly from a seven-year-old. And then he instructed me on the fact that they want to have a nice day and I want them depressed in their room. You know, it was kind of the message they were getting. And I'd say again, live in the moment, in the day. We don't know the future. Uh, the other is, doesn't hurt to give your doctor one of my books um, and see if they're willing to look at it and read it. Because, you know, think about this. Something, you know, when I say why you choose to be a doctor, why would you choose a specialty like oncology? You know, that gets to be painful. Why don't you pick something else that would be more interesting and nicer? Why not be a pediatrician and help kids grow up? But so there's something with their personality as well and feelings of failure and a whole host of things. Um, so what I would do, keep being the character, find out when your doctor's birthday is and bring him a humorous birthday card. You know, do something different so that when you come in, they see the person not the disease. And, okay, well, uh, I'm, well, I'm let me, certainly alive Well, let me I add this there. for a moment, that on um, my website there's a list called Immune Competent Personality. And look at those simple questions, because they help you get through the day and focus on what you need and about survival. Uh, the other is, I have to say, you have to be empowered. If you want to do some alternatives, because I looked into all these things and realized how upsetting it was to realize what I wasn't taught in all my training. I know. Um, so sad. So, so you know, sad. the various forms of supplements, nutrition, uh, things that can help your body work at eliminating cancer, and uh, that most of which we don't learn in medical school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so I, much. Oh, sorry, Charles. Go right ahead. Well, I've read a ton of books. I'm well along the alternative path, and I feel better than I've probably felt in years. So, uh let me, let me right direction. summarize it with this, that I always say to people, if you love your life and love your body, some amazing things will happen. See, because your body is built for survival. I mean, if you cut your finger, you don't bleed to death or die of an infection. Okay, that's a rare event. But so let your body know, I love my life. And I love it. I'm not mad at it for what's happened to it. And then it does all it can to keep you well. Mm-hmm. Read the book no, Cancer I, I've Ward. I recognize that I've learned an incredible amount in the, the short time that I've been aware of it. And <laughs> yeah. See, the term I use that came from the book Cancer Ward by Solzhenitsyn is self-induced healing. Because the men on the ward who have cancer, one of them finds a book and it says, look, there's self-induced healing. And the symbol that flutters out of the book is a rainbow-colored butterfly. So get your life in order, the rainbow, and transform it. The butterfly is a symbol of transformation. And you make the change, and you bring order to your life, or harmony, rhythm, whatever word you want. And always remember, what's going on in your head, you're in charge of. So you don't like it? Decide to be happy. And laugh for no reason. That, that mm-hmm. was another study that was done. Mm-hmm. Cancer patients who laugh for no reason four or five times a day 
did better than a control group who didn't laugh as much. Wow. So every few hours, laugh for no reason. Watch how good you feel. Okay, I'll add that to my plan. Marie, do my guides have any non-health-related messages for me? Ah, well, actually, you know, just back to the emotions, even though I love Dr. Siegel's prescription of laughing, you know, four to five times a day, I think it's a great idea. I keep feeling that you need to cry. So I know that doesn't that does seem health related, but I feel like you just need to have some good cries. And so maybe, you know, get curious about that and see if that rings true for you. And um, you you know what? You're absolutely right. I I just don't know that I know how. Ah. Just let it flow. Let your heart make up your mind is another line I use. Let your heart make up your mind. Oh. I enjoy crying. It's crazy. That, you know, I could be listening to a song in the car and start crying. Oh. So, And it just feels good to let it out. It really does. See, I compare it to the dry sponge sitting on your sink. <laughs> you put it in water, it softens. Oh, Oh, well, we're all, everybody on Radio Land, Charles, is going to send you tons of love so that you can grab a box of tissue, maybe hear a wonderful song, you know, remember your conversation with Dr. Siegel, and just let those tears flow. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Have a great day. Thank you. So, Dr. Siegel, and since you've written Love, Medicine, and Miracles, which came out like 86, is that correct? I think so. (laughs) Right around there? Yeah, a while ago. I mean, still one of my favorite books. I've read through from it many times over the years. I just love it. Do you think that medicine um, has changed or aligned more closely to your worldview since then? Yeah, there's been a shift. I I mean, in a laughing way, I say it. I'm not on all the famous talk shows anymore with doctors arguing with me. So, obviously... There's been a shift in the beliefs. But the thing that bothers me is it's still like 20 years behind where I'd like it to be. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm often thinking about, and I mean this sincerely, is think about this. What if we spent all the money that we have spent on outer space on studying inner space? Think about that. If we had spent all the money on the human body and getting to know it instead of getting to the moon and, you know, wondering what's going on on Mars, I think we would have learned an incredible amount that would be just as fascinating as outer space, but would be doing a lot more for human beings. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And and we probably could then travel to all these, you know, so far away places just from the incredible um, maze inside of our own beings yeah, and have yeah. phenomenal experiences right here, right on planet Earth. Just right. beautiful. We're going to take another break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're talking to Dr. Bernie Siegel. And many times, Dr. Siegel, you have said we only have today, and that is so true. So right. as we take a break, we're going to get present, ground, get in our bodies, and we'll be right back talking with Dr. Bernie Siegel. Are you new to the fields of energy medicine, Reiki, or subtle energy therapies? Are you looking for a mentor or for insight and guidance into your health or destiny, or for connecting with a loved one on the other side? Travis Taylor is described by other healers as a soul whisperer who nourishes the spirit and enlightens the being. As an empath, energy intuitive, and clairvoyant medium, he offers individual sessions, classes, workshops, and mentoring programs that will improve your health and well-being, expand your consciousness, and cultivate your soul. For more information about Travis and his upcoming events, please visit empathichealing.com. That's empathic healing.com be well 
Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path, but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing From Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath, Dr. Sheila Dunmerit to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health, and hormones. The DVD series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671. Nowadays, you can go to just about any astrology website, type in your birth information, and download your chart. That's great, but how many of us know how to read it? Christopher Renstrom has created a course targeted for the person who's interested in astrology, but whose eyes glaze over whenever things start to get too technical and wordy. Join Christopher at his Beginning Astrology Weekend Workshop, February 25th and 26th, at the Courtyard on Lake Union. This class is perfect for those interested in learning about astrology, or perhaps even in becoming astrologers themselves one day. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. No, you're not alone. And it's not just you. The things you're experiencing are actually being felt around the world. And there is something you can do about it. Tune in for It's Not Just You with Lorelai Spiegelman, Susan Wayman, and Javon Mitchell. Three professional women of wisdom who compare current events and how they offer you insight into your own personal world. Monday morning at 9 a.m. Want to hear something different from talk radio? The choice is clear. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I have the privilege today of interviewing one of my heroes, Dr. Bernie Siegel. Welcome back to the show, Bernie. It's lovely to have you. Thank Um, you. In your wonderful book, which is full of stories and perfect for the holidays, by the way, I mean, I think it's a wonderful gift to give anyone, not just people who are struggling with life issues or health issues, but it's just so fun to feel inspired with hope and just gorgeous stories of many people. One of the stories that I loved was about a former patient of yours who was talking um, about waking up from surgery and you were standing in the the doorway of her room and you said to her, you know, that um, you're going to live, you're not going to die. And and in the book, you talk about how many times information would just channel through you. It wasn't like you were planning to say that to a patient (laughs) as they're waking up from anesthesia, but it just overcame you. Yeah, I I learned, um, it started the day I knew my father was going to die, when I heard a voice say to me, and I'm just walking down the street, you know, in the morning, before going to the hospital, the voice said, how did your parents meet? And I said, I don't know. And the voice said, then ask your mother when you get to the hospital. So when I walk in the door, again, the voice often speaks through me. You know, before I could greet my mother, give her a hug, my father, say something, what came out of my mouth was, how did you two meet? (laughs) And my mother just started telling stories. I mean, the punchline of the first story was my father lost the coin toss and had to take my mother out. (laughs) So my father died laughing because of those stories. Oh. And it, it changed the whole day, you know, into this incredibly wonderful, you know, few hours of sharing and laughing and enjoying. And when the last person, see, again, consciousness, 
My father has no way, and he's basically in a coma, but he hears. Mm -hmm. But he has no way of knowing who's coming to his hospital room that day. (laughs) But the moment the last person who had said, I'm coming, walked in the door and was announced, he took his last breath and died. Wow. So, you know, those are some of the things that happen. And uh, since then, yeah, I've heard voices from patients who have died. Wow. Wow. giving me directions and doing other things, and uh, it's just been an amazing experience. Wow. But um, uh, I don't know if you have, want to hear one more that impressed yeah, me. of course. I wrote a book. Uh, it's written as a children's book, but it's for anyone who's lost a loved one of any species. You know, your dog could die or your family member could die. It, it's to help people. You know, some of the things I learned after my father died, uh, it's called Buddy's Candle. And when I finished writing the book, I took our other dog and went out for a walk. As soon as I walked out of the house, I heard the voice say, go to the animal shelter. So I I listen when I hear it. So I got in the car and I drove to the shelter. I walk in the door and the voice said, what's that dog's name? There's a dog just sitting by the door. And the volunteer there said, oh, he's been here less than 15 minutes. His name is Buddy. Hmm. I said, I'm here to take him home. And I did. I did. uh, Because I knew I was sent there. It was no accident. You write a book called Buddy's Candle. (laughs) because a dog in it has cancer, too, as well as a little boy. And there's this dog named Buddy. And one, well, one more that touched me. uh, A teenager I knew who had cystic fibrosis and was dying and couldn't get a lung transplant. And I walked into his room to visit with him. And he looked at me and he said, why am I different? And I often ask this at workshops, because he pointed out that 16-year-olds are out in the street playing ball, and I'm in the hospital dying. Why am I different? And what came out of my mouth was, because it makes you beautiful. Aww. And I thought, how could you say that to this kid? <laughs> I, I, and I turned towards him to apologize, and he was just beaming. He Aww. just loved the end. You know, and, and that's the beautiful part yeah. about being present with yourself. Right. And being in those quiet moments where you can get out of your brain and you can deliver the most loving and conscious message that would not necessarily come into your awareness. But in those critical moments when your patients or your workshop participants really need to hear messages from the universe that will touch their soul more than any of us could have possibly imagined, get to just channel right through you and evoke peace that can last an Mm -hmm. entire lifetime. I think the love and the laughter accomplish that. You know, that, I mean, you could be dying, but if I get you to laugh, you don't get mad at me. (laughs) It makes you feel good, you know? Right. And so I've learned that if I can bring love and healthy humor into a person's life, it builds their life and holds it together. And when you're battling and fighting wars, and I've written articles about that, I've learned from other Teresa, because I love what she said, They invited her to an anti-war rally. Right. And she said, I'm not coming. Exactly. But she said, if you have a peace rally, call me. (laughs) And when I read that, I thought, wow. So it's to help people stop, you know, battling the enemy and empowering the enemy. Um, But ask yourself, how can I heal my life? And then wonderful things happen. Right. We have another caller um, on the line who would like to ask you a question. Who do we have, right. Eric? We've got Kelly and Kenmore on the line. Hi, Kelly. Hello, and happy holidays. Thank you. 
Thank you. Also for taking my call, Marie, I would love a general reading. And Dr. Siegel, you have shared so many stories, but do you have a favorite inspiring miracle or story that you've witnessed? Well, one of the patients who taught me something years ago is a poem by W.H. Auden, a woman who's very lonely, no family, develops cancer. And he comes home that night and in the poem says to his wife, Cancer's a funny thing. It's like some hidden assassin waiting to strike at you. <laughs> Childless women get it, men when they retire, as if there had to be an outlet for their foiled creative fire. And I read that once to a group of doctors, and one doctor yelled at me, just because it rhymes doesn't make it true. <laughs> but it is true. We know this statistically now. Wow. Well, a retiring landscaper came to me because he had cancer of the stomach, and they had thought it was just an ulcer related to his emotions about retirement. Um, and I said to him, John, you've lived with this for a while. We need to get you right in the hospital. He said, no, you forgot something. What did I forget? It's springtime. Going to go home, make the world beautiful. <laughs> if I die, I'll leave a beautiful world. Mm-hmm. He came back a few weeks later. He said, I'm ready. We operate. I can't cure him. John, you need more treatment. No, you forgot something. What did I forget now? It's still springtime. Going to go home, make the world beautiful. So when I die, I leave a beautiful world. Three or four years later, the nurse handed me his chart. And I said, he is dead. We must have two patients with the same name. And she said, open the door. So I opened the door to the examining room, and there sits John. I have a hernia from lifting boulders in my landscape. John lived to age 94. Oh, my gosh. At his 70th wedding anniversary, I showed up to give a lecture about John and what he taught me. Spending time with him, the world became a beautiful place. Oh. Um, and, and you know, when did he die? After his wife died. It was like, okay, I can go now. Um, but, you know, that's not an accident. You know, and so I'd say to people, never retire. Mm-hmm. Joseph Campbell said it very well. He said you can engage and disengage. So you want to change your life, do different things, fine. See, what God said to me one day, after I gave a report at the board meeting in heaven, he said, um, I said, the end. God said, Bernie, it's not the end. I said, yeah, I'm finished. I know, but we have to use the information. So when you finish a report, say the beginning. What do you see? God said, what do you call a graduation? I said, it's a commencement. Yeah, not a termination. And the Bible ends in a revelation, not a conclusion. Wow. So keep beginning. Wow. You know, and that, th- to me, is what life is about. I think the hardest part about that, though, obviously your patient completely understood and was able to fully embody that. Um, and outlive many people who have no diseases in their bodies when they die, you know, yep. or not at least terminal ones, um, uh, that he knew what made him happy, you know. And, and that seems oh, to yeah. be, I think, a big struggle um, with um, people, uh, especially Americans. I can't speak for everyone around the world, but I, I think that's kind of like a burning question for Americans. You know, what is my life purpose? What's going to make me happy? And yeah. how the See, heck? I, that's why I ask, how can you die laughing? Oh. You know, in the sense, not just humorous stories, but the meaning in your life. Mm. Because there is a wonderful Hindu um, myth, uh, because I began to study all religions, because I saw how some people felt God was punishing them, giving them cancer. Yeah, yeah. so sad. And let me summarize it with this. Disease is a loss of health, and when you lose something, go look for it. (laughs) Because you don't walk home when you can't find your car keys saying, God (laughs) wants me to walk home. Right, Um, yeah. But... 
two, I got to share two more little sure. stories. One, in the Hindu myth, a child is willing to give his life to save somebody else's life, seven-year-old. And he says to his parents, see, they have to agree. He says, consider this, sooner or later my body will perish at any rate, but if it perishes without love, which the wise declare is the only thing of permanence of what you should have been. And so they agree. And when they're about to kill him, cut, you know, with a sword, mm-hmm. he bursts into joyful laughter. Aww. And what the story ends with is, why did the boy laugh? And his last prayer, see, again, let me be born again and again on the wheel of rebirth, so again and again I may offer this body for the benefit of others. Wow. Wow. And the other, to understand the love, the teenager who was sexually abused by his family and a whole host of people developed AIDS a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And he called me to help him try to survive. Wow. And one day he called me up. He said, Dr. Siegel, I said, what is it, Tony? He said, I'm going to commit suicide. And I said, no, Tony, I have friends in New York. We'll get you a gun and we'll kill your parents. <laughs> <laughs> and his words never have left me. He said, no. I never want to be like them. Ah. So he went down to the A train to jump in front of the subway train. And I got a call later because he said the train was late. <laughs> That's when you believe in angels. Right. He, he's standing in the subway waiting to commit suicide. So you don't bring reading material. <laughs> and he said the train doesn't show up. And right. what's on the wall in front of him? The hotline for suicide. Oh. He said I called and they came and I learned about love from all those people. Wow, wow. Well, uh, Dr. Siegel, you're amazing. And Kelly, thank you so much for asking Dr. Siegel to share more stories because those are just lovely. And as a general reading for you, um, energetically, I'm at the back of your heart chakra. I would definitely work on receiving because there's some big stuff coming into your life that I think will help you share things with others. And it's there's a lot like a five-year uh, kind of plan on it. But if you start moving energy in your back, um, you know, just with the intention of receiving, which is a passive experience, I think you can make it happen a whole lot quicker. Um, so that's what I'm seeing when I look at your energy. Well, thank you both so much. You guys All are right. great. All right. Thank you so Bye-bye. much. Just lovely. So Dr. Siegel, you believe that, um, that in the next... Well, let me say oh, something yeah. because sure. of your energy reading. Yeah. A line that came from Alice Miller that impressed me our childhood is stored up in our bodies, and although we can repress it, we can never alter it. You know, our feelings can be manipulated, our body tricked with medication, uh, but someday the body will present its bill, yeah. for it is as incorruptible as a child who, while still whole spirit, will accept no compromises, and it will not stop tormenting us until we stop evading the truth. And it, people have to understand, again, right. when they draw pictures, it often tells me, uh, and I'm not the only one. I mean, there are psychiatrists and others who have done this. What part of their body they're going to get disease in? Yeah, absolutely. A- absolutely. Uh, and so how you show your body is revealing your personality and a whole host of things that go with it. Absolutely. I had a patient um, who I was seeing a client uh, years ago, actually, maybe four or five years ago. And I couldn't see an actual disease in his intestinal tract. I was stuck in his small intestines. I couldn't get out whenever I was doing energy work on him. And for me, the intestines are governed by the second chakra, which is all about passion and joy. And and he was working very hard and being this responsible father, of course, and husband and um, and son to his family. And I kept saying, you just got to play. You just absolutely have to play. Right. And and I had a, apparently a difficult time really 
translating that information to him in a way that he could grasp. And a few years later, he thankfully um, was diagnosed with a very small tumor in his small intestines that was diagnosed with that new pill that takes pictures of your intestinal Mm -hmm. tract. Yeah, he was very fortunate and um, had a surgical procedure and it was removed. And now he quit his job so that he's not doing that job that was driving him crazy. But yes, it's... Let your heart make up your mind. Ah, absolutely. The other is, well, two things I say to people. How would you introduce yourself to God? So you're not living a role. You're God's child, or you are God. I mean, we're, right. that you realize you're divine. Right. Um, and the other is, if you had 15 minutes to live, what would you do? Wow. And one of our kids said, uh, I'd buy a quart of chocolate ice cream and eat it. <laughs> and, you know, I'd remind that of people. You know, go live yeah. your chocolate ice cream. But, so I said to him, you're enlightened. I don't have to worry about you. And somebody <laughs> else in the room said, wait a minute. Why are you criticizing me for what if what I told you was my chocolate ice cream? And that, and he helped me understand, you know, that what I consider chocolate ice cream, somebody else may not like. Right. But, so we each have to find our joy. And yeah. another way of knowing you're doing it is do what makes you lose track of time. Ah. I find that a fascinating state to be in. Ah. Um, in other words, if I were operating on a patient, Literally, I mean, six hours could go by, and I thought it was an hour because I'm so involved caring for them or painting a portrait of somebody. Wow. I could stand for two or three hours in front of the easel and think it was 15 minutes because wow. I yelled at somebody who was calling our house looking for my <laughs> wife. Once. You know, I said, my wife is out of the house. Don't call back for a few hours. And the phone rings, and it's the same guy. And I said, what are you doing? I told, He said, what are you yelling at me for? I said, if you're going to call me every 15 minutes, he said, it's two hours since I called you. Uh, that impressed me. Uh, no, and I think that you, you slow the aging process yeah. when you don't have any sense of time. It's so true. I, mean, I could look at a chakra until the cows come home. I, I know that's an old saying, but I tend to think of old sayings. And I love them. They are the most fascinating energetic experience I've ever had. So, oh, yes, go ahead. Let me add yeah. other books and things. There's a book yeah. out now called The Energy Cure. Mm. Healing cancer. I know. I'm That's trying to interview this guy. Actually, I think yeah. we, we have him on the books. Bill but he's, Bankson. Well, tell him. I, I will. Too. I'll tell him because he's a um, busy guy. He's hard to track down. So I will but, definitely um, tell well, him. I've got his mail address. Thank you. Thank you. The, um, but the other thing that impressed me, see, what yeah. made me a believer? Yeah. I'm training for a marathon, injure my leg, having a real problem walking. And I go to a medical meeting. Al Gawarl, the mystic and healer, is there lecturing. My wife says, honey, go ask her to help you, heal you. (laughs) I said, look, this is nuts. It's one thing to listen to a lecture, but, I mean, it doesn't make sense. So, of course, my wife goes up to Olga and says, would you come over and work on my husband? (laughs) (laughs) She came over, put her hands on my leg, and they were like two hot irons. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. And that's what Bankston talks about, too. Right. You know, that, and I call it, well, one of our kids put it well. He said, we are the cable. You know what I mean? We're not the battery. Right. We're not the source of the energy, but we're the cable. Right. And so it flows through us. And in five minutes, my leg was perfectly healed. Oh, my gosh. And again, so I can't deny what happened to me. Right. You know, as I said, it's not, you know, from then on, yeah, it's easy to believe in her. Right. And many people used her, you know, in experiments and tests. And uh, it showed that she was capable of delivering an energy. Right. So whether it was to water and then plants grew, you know, faster or all kinds of uh, quantum physics 
experiments where she uh, participated. Well, your wife is reminding me of Lisa Oz, Dr. Oz's wife. Um, your wife, Bobby, is reminding me like she's yeah. she's pulling you along and, you know, and and right. forcing you, well, not forcing you, but lovingly going, honey, no, do this next, do this yeah. next. Well, she was a kindergarten teacher to uh-huh. start with, so uh-huh. she knew how to handle me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Siegel, you believe that in the next decade, the roles of consciousness, spirituality, and non-local healing body memory, heart energy will explode more intensely as, oh, yeah. and just that, help. It, it'll become scientific. Ah. See, part of what I saw years ago, I sent articles to medical journals about mm. drawings and my experience. Mm. They came back saying, it's interesting, but it's inappropriate for our journal. <laughs> so I sent them to where it was appropriate. They got mailed back again. Oh, my gosh. But this time, the comment was, it's appropriate, but it's not interesting. And I thought, this is incredible. You know, that, and that was into psycho- psychology, psychotherapy, psychiatrists, you know, people who were delving into the emotional lives of patients. Well, wow. Carl Menninger, the psychiatrist, when I sent him a copy of Love, Medicine, and Miracles to get his comments, he wrote back. He said, I was about to publish a book called 12 Hopeless Cases. These wow. are 12 people, all of whom are alive and well today wow. and should be dead. He said, but I'm not going to bother. You just wrote it. Oh. See, that's from a psychiatrist. Oh. But you get on Oprah Winfrey with doctors yelling at you. Yeah, well, we know that's not going to happen to you anymore because you have forged the path of helping medicine, stubborn doctors, yes, but all of us, the patient who is probably in these days leading the way to healing more than we ever have before. And I just can't thank you enough for everything that you do for the love you bring into this world. And uh, thank you so much, Dr. Siegel, for being on the show. You you know, I learned to treat the experience. And there are many doctors, when they get sick, then tell me they changed their mind about me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for teaching medicine as well. I am forever grateful. And uh, we hope everyone runs out and buys your brand new book. A Book of Miracles. Because they will enjoy it. I'll they tell will, because you, you have. You read it three times already, you told oh, yeah. me. Oh, yeah. I read it before I go to bed and oh. have a good night that way. Oh, well, thank you so much. All my love to you and your family. Okay, thanks, Happy bro. holidays. Bye-bye. And Bye. thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Have a wonderful day. Safe shopping out there. Get what you really need. Don't spend too much. Have an extra soy chai latte. And I'll be back next week. On Thursday, I'll be interviewing my daughters. We'll have a wonderful time. Merry Christmas and all the other holidays. Until then. And I want to say happy holidays as well. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric, so much. Bye-bye.